Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America, I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, I heard nothing, okay? All right, folks. Um, we've got a lot to get in here today. Let us start with the fact that the government has now told you that you don't have to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated. And Joe Biden comes to the microphone and says this is a great day to celebrate. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't need to wear a you didn't need to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated because of the science. Let's take a listen to what the CDC director had to say to get cut 13. Go considering all of these factors. There we go. The data on vaccine effectiveness, the science on their ability to protect against circulating variants and our growing understanding of the low risk of transmission to others, combined with universal access to vaccines for those 12 and older. Today, CDC is updating our guidance for fully vaccinated people. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. Now, now let's just stop here. Now, let's just let, let's just figure this out a second. It wasn't that long ago when they put out these obscene guidelines for camp, for summer camp, outdoors. That kids playing soccer or kickball or baseball or whatever would have to wear masks. This is just a week ago. Just a week ago. And this woman, all of a sudden she announces, like some kind of a fascist, that, okay, the CDC has determined that If you've been fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, period. Small groups, large groups, inside, outside. With the idiot mayor of D.C. telling people, if you have weddings here, you can't dance. 
You had the idiot vice president and the idiot first or second man kissing last week with masks on. And all of us going, what the hell's wrong with these people? You had me talking, what, a month, six weeks ago, saying, if you're vaccinated, live your life. The whole point of a vaccination is that you're now immune. You're immune from giving, you're immune from getting. And they say the vaccine's 95% effective. So you're out, out of the woods. So at every turn, now Joe Biden comes out and he celebrates. We've made great progress today. He made no progress. He had nothing to do with anything. The vaccines were developed under President Trump. They had a distribution plan that was in place. They distributed what was produced right up until and through May. And yet, any of the positives he has in his poll numbers as a result of how he's handled the vaccine. So he comes out today. Everybody said, what kind of an idiot do we have in the Oval Office? Guys wearing a mask. Nobody's even around him. Guys wearing a mask out on the South Lawn. Nobody's even around him. He was asked last week, why are you wearing a mask? I'm wearing it, you know, because I want to show the people what they should do. It's like, what the hell's wrong with you? Fauci's out there. Mr. Propaganda, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, he said, double up on the masks. Just the other day, he said, this could be seasonal, wearing masks. A year ago, he said, you might want to wear goggles. This isn't science, it's pseudoscience. It's a joke. It's the private sector that developed these vaccines with the push and the backing of Operation Warp Speed. And it's Operation Warp Speed that's brought us to this point. Not the idiot president or the idiot vice president or the idiot over there at the CDC or the idiot, that's right, I said it, St. Fauci. And you know, you know, in addition to Donald Trump and his wisdom in this regard, there's one governor who's the biggest standout, and that's DeSantis. He fought these people tooth and nail. He had his own science experts, he used his own data. They were tracking it. They were tracking the federal data. He treated his his citizenry like human beings. He wasn't destroying their businesses. He was trying to protect them. He had to protect his state from federal mandates. Joe Biden comes in office and threatens him. Threatens that they're going to come into Florida and, and impose their will on that state. The manner in which he issued the vaccine, starting with the elderly, his protection of the elderly in the nursing homes and the senior facilities. Ron DeSantis isn't a scientist. He's not a medical professional. He's a brilliant man who's gone to the best schools in the country, who served his country in the military. He's a red-blooded American who looked at this and said, wait a minute. I'm not going to turn Florida into North Korea. I'm not going to shut down our businesses. We're going to do rational things here. I had him on radio and have many times. Same with television. And this is why the left attacks the man. But we all knew this too. 
We're actually more than a year ago behind this microphone. I said the CDC data isn't correct. It's not correct. They're putting everybody and anybody who's ever had this virus in the death list. That is, anybody who died, no matter what they died from. And, of course, we helped break the story about what was going on in nursing homes in New York. The most left-wing, power-hungry, one-party state governors destroyed their states. And now you and I are paying trillions of dollars to subsidize them, even when they have now budget surpluses. Budget surpluses. We were told last month they had no money. Even the CDC lied to us. Even Fauci lied to us. People say it's all politicized. That's not enough. It's not just all politicized. Politicized how? We conservatives don't want to politicize science. We don't want to politicize medicine. It is the left. It is the left that has its, its power-hungry desires. It is the left that wants to control everything we do. It's the left that demands that you walk around with masks or other kind of equipment or body, whatever, because they insist that it's the science, the left, that never follows the science. More on this when I return. Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. see what's happening to this country economically. You have this uh, attack on the colonial pipeline. You have the uh, Russophile wing of our political and broadcasting uh, system saying, what does Russia have to do with any of this? Well, of course, Russia has everything to do with it. You don't have a gang in Russia doing this sort of thing without Putin knowing everything about it. It's really preposterous. But that's part of the problem, not recognizing the problem. But part of the problem is also Joe Biden. Our electrical grid is completely naked. It can be easily attacked. We've had Peter Pry on the show, and we're going to have him on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, among others. And he wants almost everything to be pushed through our electrical grid. We're spending trillions and trillions of dollars and nothing to protect the electrical grid. So can you imagine? So to me, this was just a test. 
This is Russia taking a test through surrogates so it can have some kind of deniability. And Russia has extremely advanced cyber warfare capabilities. But economically, not only is what Biden is doing and the Democrats doing destroying us in terms of the currency, in terms of inflation, price of gasoline, the price of food, the price of building homes now, the price of everything skyrocketing. And they think it's a temporary bump. It's not a temporary bump. Not only are they doing this to tremendous damage to our economic system and to your families and to your savings and to your pensions, because the worst is yet to come by far, it's a severe national security problem. And yet throughout our government now and throughout corporate America and throughout academia and all the rest of it, they're pushing this idea of climate change. Climate change has nothing to do with climate change. That's a fig leaf. This is a war against capitalism. When you're attacking our liberty with critical race theory and these other things, you're also attacking our liberty through our economic system. Milton Friedman, tremendous man, Milton Friedman, he said, it is widely believed that politics and economics are separate and largely unconnected. That individual freedom is a political problem and a material welfare and economic problem. And that any kind of political arrangements can be combined with any kind of economic arrangements. He said the chief contemporary manifestation of this idea, listen to this carefully, is the advocacy of democratic socialism. That's him. Friedman condemns such a view as a delusion. And I point out there's an intimate connection between economics and politics that only certain combinations of political economic arrangements are possible. And that in particular, a society which is socialistic cannot also be democratic in the sense of guaranteeing individual liberty. Friedman says, economic arrangements play a dual role in the promotion of a free society. On the one hand, freedom in economic arrangements is itself a component of freedom broadly understood. So economic freedom isn't in it itself. In the second place, economic freedom is also indispensable. An indispensable means towards the achievement of political freedom. Viewed as a means to the end of political freedom, he says, economic arrangements are important because of their effect on the concentration or dispersion of power. The kind of economic organization that provides economic freedom directly, namely competitive capitalism, also promotes political freedom because it separates economic power from political power, and in this way enables the one to offset the other. He said, history suggests that capitalism is a necessary condition of political freedom. It is, of course, also possible to have economic arrangements that are fundamentally capitalistic, and political arrangements that are not free. So he's saying, look, you can have a communist China, and have an economic system that that tries to parrot capitalism. But you cannot have a free country, a republic, a constitutional republic without capitalism. And you can see that, ladies and gentlemen, because they have to breach the limits of government's power in order to advance their Marxist economic agenda. Like a wealth tax. A wealth tax is utterly unconstitutional. You have private property rights. Utterly unconstitutional. Or to go in and shut down the Keystone XL pipeline like you're some random where 
cyber war attack as a matter of policy for Biden that endangers this country. You are not free to treat people's incomes, people's livelihoods, people's private property this way. And yet, Bernie Sanders, AOC, the Marxists, and others in the Democrat Party and in the Oval Office, that agenda, it's exactly what they're about. It's exactly what they're about. So the less economic freedom you have, the less political freedom you're going to have. That's his point, and it's absolutely true. And they're under attack. So climate change is a propaganda line to lure people into this whole ideology. But it is a degrowth movement, which is an anti-constitutional movement, which together are anti-individual liberty movements. And that's why this is very, very important to focus on. We've talked about critical race theory. I haven't gotten yet to the immigration issues and the gender issues and so many of the other movements that are incorporated in this American Marxism movement. But this isn't an environmental movement that's taking place in this country right now. This is an anti-capitalism, anti-growth, anti-profit movement. And Friedman was exactly right. This democratic socialism idea is absolutely preposterous. So I want to encourage you again. This is a a whole full chapter I discuss in American Marxism. I want to encourage you to take a look at that when you get your uh, copy eventually and to pre-order your copy. So again, we hit the ground running when the time comes. And this chapter is chapter 5. It's called Climate Change Fanaticism. Climate change fanaticism. And I put climate change in quotes because it literally has nothing to do with climate change. It's like the mask. The mask after you have been vaccinated. The mask was irrelevant. The mask was an exercise of governmental power. So if you get a chance, head over to Amazon. I hope you'll pre-order your copies. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Tell you what's amazing to me. I'm watching, during the break, our uh, favorite cable network. And a guy reporting from Jerusalem by the name of Trey Yingst, 
who's being praised all over the place there. Uh, very brave young man. Very brave young man. He's in the middle of the battle. And he says that he, uh, Hamas officials speaking to Fox News and talked about the casualty numbers. Hamas officials speaking to Fox News. Now, this gentleman also some time ago was free to walk around in Gaza among the Hamas terrorists. He's free to walk around in the uh, Palestinian Authority ruled areas. Now, why would they let him in like that? And why would the Hamas terrorist group, Hamas, ladies and gentlemen, wants to kill not only Israelis, but us? They're backed by the Iranians. Islamic Jihad is an Iranian creation. The Ark work with Hezbollah and other terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda. So Hamas officials speaking to Fox News? Really? Now some people might say that's great reporting. I find it to be really shocking. Shocking. And I'm going to talk more about uh, what's going on over there later. Israeli ground troops have now moved into the Gaza Strip. Because Netanyahu is very, very serious about dealing with this. And uh, just so you know, on Sunday's show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, I have the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, who we had briefly on the program here, Ron Dermer. And also for the second half of the program, we're going to have Dr. Peter Pry, who's going to talk about what happened with that colonial pipeline and what could happen if we don't take this much more seriously and stop pretending that the Russians aren't behind these things or the Chinese or the Iranians and the North Koreans. Because they are. These things don't just happen from groups within Russia or groups within whatever. And to say such a thing is, uh, well, it's crack pottery is what it is. Now let me circle back here to quote the late great Pisaki. Federal taxes, spending, and deficit all set records through April. Terry Jeffrey over at CNS News. So he takes a look at the monthly treasury statement. He said this is the first time that federal spending has exceeded $4 trillion in the first seven months of a fiscal year. First seven months of a fiscal year. And he takes a look at that. He says when the historical October through April tax revenues adjusted for inflation into April 2021 dollars. The second highest tax revenues for the October through April period came in fiscal 2018. He looks at the debt. Unprecedented. The deficit from October to, uh, 20, to uh, April 2021. Second highest deficit. This is the highest deficit in American history, of course. So we have the highest spending, the highest deficit. Federal taxes are all setting records. And we have a government that won't secure the border. Oh, I hear they're going to build 13.5 miles of wall on the border. Now think about that. We have several hundred miles left that need to be built. But they're only going to build it on 13.5 miles. And what's the rationale? Because this particular area is heavily flooded by illegal aliens. So you're probably perplexed by now. Why? Because if 13.5 miles of wall will stop 
a particularly heavy insurgence of illegal aliens from coming in, then it is clear that the wall works. Despite all the lies by the left. So obviously the wall works. Why would you build 13.5 miles in that particular area? Why not build the rest? Because they don't want to. And they lie about it. Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars being spent. They talk about infrastructure like they actually mean it and they don't. But the wall was too expensive. What was it, $10 billion? $20 billion? Well worth every penny, don't you think? CNBC and every place else, inflation speeds up in April as consumer prices leap 4.2%. That's the highest in 13 years. The highest in 13 years, the consumer price index. They had been looking for a 3.6% increase, but it was 25% higher. And listen to how this is spun by your corrupt media. One big reason for the acceleration was base effects. At this time, a year ago, the economy was hit with the worst of the COVID pandemic and inflation, well, was unusually low. But it really picked up lately, you know. And that's because the economy is opening up. No, that's not because the economy is opening up. And let me explain this so the fools at CNBC and elsewhere can understand. As Milton Friedman pointed out, too many dollars chasing too few goods is one of the most signal reasons why inflation is created. If you have an economy that is naturally and spontaneously booming, that's not too few dollars, excuse me, too many dollars chasing too few goods. That's a growing economy. That's a healthy economy. But when you spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, and the Republicans were part of this initially, quite frankly, but now the Democrats make the Republicans look like uh, budget cutters, you get massive inflation. This has happened in uh, post-war societies. It happened in Germany. It happened in Japan after World War I happened after World War II in some of these countries. You look at the third world where they have dictators, Marxist regimes, they print money. And that's why the money's worthless. And so you have barter societies and you have impoverishment and so forth. This is not speculation. There are laws to economics, supply and demand and so forth. There are laws to economics. Just as the Democrats and some rhinos, but particularly Biden, do not accept that there are laws in a republic that they should honor. Just as their surrogates, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, don't believe there's laws they should honor in our cities, why would they honor the laws of economics? They want power. They've got control of the treasury. They'll spend and they'll print and they'll print and they'll spend and they'll pretend there are no laws of economics, just as there's no civil society to worry about. The result is inflation. The fact of the matter is if endless spending, endless annual deficits, massive debts created wealth, and there was no downside to it, which is what the left tells you all the time, and there's no downside to it, 
we would all support it. I'm not talking about the government control end of it, but if you can create wealth, why not? But it doesn't create wealth. It destroys wealth. It creates economic dislocation. It takes money from the producers because, by God, they're successful and we can't have that. It gives it to people who haven't earned it. We now have small businesses in this country that can't make it. After going through the pandemic, particularly in blue states, after being pounded by false science and false idols, now they can't find people to work. 8.1 million jobs are unfilled, the highest in history. And the Democrats still support the, uh, the expanded so-called unemployment benefits. Well, if you can get a job, then you shouldn't get unemployment benefits if there's 8.1 million jobs out there. But that's not how it works anymore. Because they're not complying, really, with the laws of economics. It turns out the Colonial Pipeline paid about $5 million in a ransom to get the network back up from the hackers. And Joe Biden, again, acts like this isn't any of his business. It's not a big deal. That's a private matter. Now, wait a minute. These hackers out of Russia attack a pipeline that they know will require or will cause enormous economic dislocation in southeastern America and on the east coast of America. In other words, it's an attack on America. That's why they're attacking the pipeline. And weren't you shocked to learn we only have one pipeline there? Shouldn't there be multiple pipelines to protect us? This is what I mean about this degrowth movement and so forth. It's also a national security interest or concern. So Biden says it's, it's really not, you know, it's, it's a private matter whether they pay ransom. And, and then he's not sure, he can't be sure that Putin's involved. Putin's testing him. Russia is testing him. The Palestinian terrorists are testing him. Hamas is testing him. And he's failed every damn test. We'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I taped a uh, 
seven or eight minute segment for Brian Kilmeade at the 7 p.m. hour on Fox. And at the very end, I, I'm asked about Liz Cheney and I talk about it. And at the very end, I said, why do we care about Liz Cheney? Why do we care about Liz Cheney? So Colonial Pipeline pays a huge ransom to get the network back from the hackers. Now, let me say something that's not intended to be controversial, but is intended to shine a, uh, a light on the situation here. When you have a degrowth movement that is embraced by the Biden administration, well, one of the first things he does is shut down a pipeline that's to produce oil and send oil, I should say, from Canada to the United States. When you have basically... A, uh, a, a rejection of all new pipelines in this country. And when you say that we're going to get rid of carbon dioxide, which means fossil fuels in the next 10 to 15 years, it's like we have a ransomware president. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this so-called climate change movement, this Green New Deal movement, is a thousand times more dangerous than what just happened. You just got a taste of what's going to happen. But it's going to happen from within. We're going to do it to ourselves. Texas got a taste of what happens when their grid went down. Californians got a taste of what happens with brownouts and blackouts. Now the East Coast and the Southeast have had a taste of what can happen with this cyber war attack. On one pipeline. One. We have thousands of them. And so what's going to happen? Joe Biden is a human pandemic. He's a human pandemic. He's taken what had become a a magnificent uh, energy industry, where we had energy independence, where the prices were relatively cheap, Now you have these gas lines because one pipeline is hit. Now, if you're a rational human being and you see something like that, you conclude, you know what, we better have some backup pipelines. We better have some more systems in place. And we'll use all potential areas of energy production. But we're certainly not going to take the main one and shut it down. And imagine, as I said earlier, if everything were based on, energy, uh, on electricity. Everything's based on electricity. What if they hit the grid? You know, we have these massive transformers, as Peter Pryor has explained. They're massive. You don't have backup transformers just sitting in the warehouse. And one of the reasons is, we don't make them. They're not made in the United States of America. They're made overseas. And each transformer takes 18 months to manufacture. That's when you have electricity. So if you have factories overseas that make transformers and there's no electricity, they're not making anything. We don't even know how to communicate with them. Think about if the electricity goes out. Forget a moment about this oil pipeline. What happens if your electricity goes out for six months? There's no food. There's no refrigeration. There's no gasoline. There's no functioning hospitals. 
There's no functioning law enforcement. There's no data. There's no way to communicate. There's nothing. And you can't have clean water. Because our water systems and the cleaning of our water systems now are all digitized. The banking system collapses. Government can't communicate. The military can't communicate. And despite those who irresponsibly defend Putin and the Russians, Russia has an extremely advanced and sophisticated cyber warfare capability that some people think is better than ours right now. Because that's where Putin has focused so much of his resources. Imagine if that happens. And imagine if it happens and we don't have alternatives like oil and gasoline and coal. Imagine that. The nuclear power plants are going to go down too. So will the windmills that rely on electricity. There's nothing. This was a walk in the park. And you can see people, if you live where I live, lined up, the gas stations closed, everybody grabbing the uh, those containers that you put gas in for your, uh, for your lawnmowers and so forth. They're filling those up. People are hoarding gasoline. And now over 50% of the gas stations in Virginia don't have any gasoline. Well, that's the future. Unless we take some rational and relatively inexpensive steps. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, What I'm trying to say, not necessarily very articulately, is this. The policies that we are now imposing on ourselves, and by we, I don't mean you and me, this government, the Democrat Party, with the support of the corrupt media and corrupt academia, are going to make this colonial pipeline issue look like a joke. They're going to make it look like a joke. They're going to make us vulnerable to our enemies. That's exactly what they're doing. And they use this degrowth anti-capitalism movement because they want power. More government, more centralization, more regulations. More economic impoverishment, which again allows them to step in and decide who gets money, who doesn't get money, redistribute wealth and all the rest. You can look even at the border. You have illegal immigration. You have MS-13 coming in. You have drugs coming into this country. We've never seen anything like this, where we literally have a president and a Democrat party that wants people to come into this country illegally. That shows you how un-American they are, for sure. But it also shows you what they're up to. And what's the cause of this great surge, ladies and gentlemen? Could it be Joe Biden's mouth? Could it be their policy? Could it be reversing the Trump uh, policies? No. It's the climate. Cut 18, go. When I uh, took a group 
right before COVID, say about 15 or, I don't know, a year and a half ago about, uh, to the Northern Triangle. Pelosi. To the countries I mentioned, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. Recognizing from previous visits and to, to the border over and over again uh, that violence, economic hardship, but that's not a cause for pros- uh, uh, amnesty, but nonetheless a reason why somebody might leave home. Now let's stop right there. Well, actually, go on again. Violence and corruption and all those things were what were causing people to flee. All right, let's stop right there. And I've said this before. I want to underscore this. When Donald Trump called these places S-holes, he was said to be a racist by her, by little Dick Durbin, and by others. Now she's describing S-hole cultures and countries, isn't she? I mean, how else would you describe violence and corruption and hunger, economic hardship, she says. So it's really quite amazing. When Donald Trump called it what it is, that's why tens of millions of people are trying to leave these countries. Now Pelosi calls it the same thing without using that phrase. Nobody calls her a racist, but that's not even my point. Go ahead. I learned in that more recent visit was that the climate issue was having and the drought was having such an impact on the agricultural industry there that people were le- lost their livelihoods. They lost so you see, jobs. it's the climate issue. We've never had droughts before, never had economic hardship before, never had a difficulty producing food before. No, no, no. You don't understand. It's the climate. And so we must have more and more control, more and more open borders. You see, to use the left's term again, as I did yesterday, intersectionality. You see how these things intersect? I'll give you another example of this. Then we'll move on. Jen Psaki at the White House briefing today about critical race theory. And when you get your copy of American Marxism, you're going to know more about critical race theory than any other human being on the face of the earth. Critical race theory in the 1619 Project, I hope you saw my Fox show last Sunday, and the great Peter Wood, the scholar, professor, and so forth. Cut 21, go. Senator Tom Cotton says the nation's wealthiest colleges are indoctrinating young people with what he calls un-American ideas. He is proposing a new tax targeting the largest private endowments. Uh, He says it would raise $2 million a year. I wonder, does the president believe that our largest, uh, our wealthiest schools are indoctrinating our youth with un-American ideas? And would he support such a tax? Is it a good idea? Now you've intrigued me. What are the un-American ideas that are indoctrinating our youth? Uh, the legislation doesn't lay out the precise... Uh, oh, he's not specific about the indoctrination? By now look how she's mocking. Because she's, uh, she's a crackpot. She's a moron. Look how she's mocking. Go ahead. Well, he's been critical of, for example, the 1619 Project. He's been critical, uh, spoken about critical race theory. He's, uh, he's claimed that there's a liberal uh, bias on campus that uh, targets conservatives, I think would be a way to put it. What's he going to do with the money? Uh, and so was- who's questioning whom here? And the reporter loves playing along. What's he going to do with the money? It would go into the general tax fund. 
you're familiar with taxes, aren't you, Pisaki? Oh, and what, what is, what is he, what's the indoctrination? What's the issue? What's the problem? I don't understand. Go ahead. Um, programs for, um, my mind, I'm having a hard time coming up with the word. Uh, when you have job training, uh, those sorts of things. Well, uh, without much detail of where he thinks our youth are being indoctrinated. Uh, excuse me. He has a lot of detail about what he thinks and knows is happening to our youth in our classrooms and indoctrination. Just because the idiot reporter can't speak. That idiot reporter doesn't speak for Tom Cotton, who actually knows a lot. Knows a lot more than the idiot that you represent, who can't finish sentences. Go ahead. Yes, and dangerous. Uh, although I don't think that I don't think we would think we believe that uh, educating uh, the youth and next and leaders of the future leaders of the country on systemic racism is indoctrination. That's actually responsible. Oh, so she does know what Tom Cotton's talking about, isn't she clever, ladies and gentlemen? So she does know what Tom Cotton's talking about, teaching about systemic racism. No, 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 no. That's actually responsible. She says this is what I mean. And by the way, is there anybody whiter than Pasaki, Mr. Producer? Maybe she knows something about systemic racism. But you have in the Oval Office a president, you have a vice president, you have a large staff that hates the country. Systemic racism. I don't view the American people that way. I view this country as a melting pot. Where we have people of all colors, all backgrounds, all faiths, working side by side, shoulder to shoulder, to make this civil society function. They're in foxholes, in S-hole places all over the world, defending people of all walks of life, all colors, all religions. It's the American people who make this country work. Not the government, not the politicians, not their laws. She's on the public payroll. How could you be the spokes idiot for the idiot in the Oval Office if you believe this country is systemically racist? How could you work for such a country? It's really quite shocking, isn't it? Go ahead. I, I would say if he's trying to raise money for something... Um, then... ah, shut up, you idiot. You're not even clever. You're actually stupid. You're actually very stupid. Like the guy you work for. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. 
Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. There's a reason why I start the last chapter of uh, American Marxism with the title, We Choose Liberty. We Choose Liberty. And I say in the first two paragraphs, in other words, I want you to know, have a pretty good feel of what's in here without getting into 95% of it, so you feel comfortable pre-ordering it and joining me in what we're going to create here, a big-time movement. I'm often asked on radio, what are we going to do about recovering our country? Too often, what is meant is, what is someone else going to do to save America? That mindset is simply unacceptable. If we are to rally to the defense of our own liberty and unalienable rights, then each of us, in our own roles and ways, must become personally and directly involved as citizen activists. In our own fate and the fate of our country. The time has come to reclaim what is ours, the American Republic, from those who seek to destroy it. If we expect others to rescue our nation for us as we go about our daily lives as mere observers to what is transpiring, or close our eyes and ears to current events, we will lose this struggle. And yes, it is a struggle. We have allowed the American Marxists to define who we are as a people. They defame us, slander our ancestors in history, and trash our founding documents and principles. They're mostly reprobates who hate the country in which they live, and have contributed nothing to its betterment. Indeed, they live off the sweat and toil of others, while they pursue a destructive and diabolical course for our nation, undermining and sabotaging virtually every institution in our society. Their ideology and worldview are based on the arguments and beliefs of a man, Karl Marx, whose writings are responsible for the enslavement, impoverishment, torture, and death of untold millions. This is a hard fact, despite the predictable protestations from some in our society who embrace and advance Marxism's core ideas, but have and will attempt to disassociate themselves from responsibility for its inevitable outcomes. These are the useful idiots who occupy influential or leadership positions in the Democratic Party, media, academia, and the culture and so forth. I won't go beyond that, but this is a very important and powerful chapter, the final chapter, where I lay out really scores of suggestion, actions, and steps that you can take, I can take, and we can take together. And so the entire foundation is laid down. I explain what's happening to our society, who in part is responsible for it, who, in part, is promoting it. You'll have a better idea. You know, if we do not understand the enemy, I don't say adversary now, I say enemy. If we do not understand the enemy, we can't defeat the enemy. 
like any other operation or procedure. And so we will understand the enemy together. We will take our time. We will go through this. Believe it or not, I'm doing the final editing on the book. It's all due on Monday. It's all written. It's been edited. I've gone through it multiple times. I'm going through it one more time to see if I should adjust something, add something, remove something. And as I read it, as the author is the person who's researched and written it, I actually believe, and you're going to say it's self-serving, I don't need to be self-serving. I actually think it's more powerful than when I first completed it and put it down. And nobody's harder on me than me. And so it's very, very important. We're now at 65,000 pre-order hard copies, copies, over 75,000 units when you include ebook and audio. And I very much want to get to the 100,000 mark. So as I've told you before, when the book comes out, you and I and we can know and participate in 100,000 copies reaching 100,000 people or more. And then from there we can grow it to a, a million man and woman march. By that I mean a political and substantive and conservative and pro-American army of millions. They're going to change the face of the country from what's taking place here. I'm not a Pollyanna. This isn't going to happen overnight. But I also am an activist. Yes, I write. Yes, I broadcast on radio and TV. But I'm an activist. And all of us need to become active. Small roles and big roles. In our own lives, with our own families, and in our own communities. I'm not a preacher. Even though from time to time I'm accused of preaching. That's the situation we're in. I want to talk about what's going on in the Middle East now. And in the context of what's going on in America about what's going on in the Middle East. Our friends at the Free Beacon point out that the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terrorist organization, is praising Democrats in our country for attacking Israel. Now we have some new members of the House of Representatives. In the case of Omar, she's a relatively new citizen. In the case of Talib, her parents came to this country. They came voluntarily. They wanted to come to this country. And they were welcomed with open arms. But they hate our country. This is one of the reasons why in the past, and of course you're not allowed to say it, but I will. In the past, if you wanted to become a citizen of America, you had to pass a loyalty test. You were questioned about your loyalty to the United States of America and your allegiance. And you had to agree that you would assimilate into the American culture. That doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. We have fantastic legal immigrants who come into this country. Don't get me wrong. And some of them are far more patriotic than the, than the left in this country, including citizens of, uh, of long standing. But that's not what I'm talking about. We have a new wave coming into the country, many of whom will be patriotic, many of whom won't care. 
but too many of whom are going to hate the very country that accepts them. You know what that's called? Suicide. That's called national suicide. So as Adam Credo writes at the Free Beacon, the Muslim Brotherhood's official online mouthpiece offers praise this week to Democratic members of Congress who are publicly criticizing Israel as it defends itself against an onslaught of terrorist rockets. And this is a growing movement, a growing wing within the Democrat Party. And notice Pelosi doesn't confront it. Notice Biden doesn't confront it, even Chuck Schumer, who's Jewish, he doesn't confront it either. They tolerate it. No critical Jewish theory. Democratic representatives demand the protection of Palestinians from Zionist attacks, reads a headline in Ikhwan Online, the Brotherhood's official propaganda site, the jihadist extremist group, which is a designated as a terror outfit in multiple countries, including ours, highlighted critical remarks about Israel's defensive operations made by outspoken opponents of the Jewish state, I would say anti-Semites, actually, Representatives Omar, Talib, Ayach, Andre Carson, Debbie Dingell, Mark Pogan, Corey Bush, Senator Bernie Sanders. More when I return. When Mark Levin was a kid, his teachers didn't like his snide sense of humor. Today, they still don't like it. Call Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. Our friend Joe Pollack over at uh, Breitbart uh, responding to Pasaki and critical race theory and systemic racism writes this. If there's such a thing as systemic racism, Press Secretary Jen Pasaki is living proof. They took a privileged white woman who did zero for the campaign and elevated her above a more qualified black woman, Simone Sanders, who endured months on the trail and physically defended Biden. Maybe we'll have a, uh, a, uh, a, a courageous reporter ask Pasaki the question or raise the issue that Pollock does. Aren't you an example of systemic racism? Uh, Because she is. I want to get back to this. I noticed that Twitter and Facebook have no problem with the anti-Semite Marxists in the Democrat Party posting and posting and posting. But Donald Trump, the greatest friend Israel ever had in the Oval Office, he's banned. The things that these people are saying, the accusations that they're making, are grotesque. Yet there's no policing of them by big tech. There's no policing of them by Schumer or Pelosi. No no comments by the media, other than conservative media. So Adam Credo at the Free Beacon goes on. And so the Muslim Brotherhood site is praising Omar, Talib, AOC, Carson, Andre Carson, 
Debbie Dingleberry, I mean Dingle, Mark Pocan, or whatever the hell his name is, Corey Bush, there's a nut job if there ever was one, and Bernie Sanders, and the Muslim Brotherhood front site goes on, a large number from the American Democratic Party urge their government to try stopping the violence of the occupation force. You know, the occupation forces, this is really quite remarkable. Those of you who have a Bible, show me where the Palestinians are in your Bible. They're not. Show me where the Jews are in your Bible. They are. Since when are people who have lived in a particular area for almost 4,000 years occupation forces? It's shocking. The occupation forces against the Palestinians in Jerusalem and the West Bank, the Arabic language article states, highlighting the support these liberal American lawmakers, Marxists most, have among anti-Israel extremist groups in the region. And the article was independently translated for the Washington Free Beacon. All the lawmakers mentioned are widely known for their anti-Israel views and supporting a range of organizations that seek to boycott the Jewish state and promote anti-Semitic slurs about the country. And that's why the vast majority are seen endlessly on CNN and MSNBC. And that's why, I suppose, they're promoted. And by the way, this Debbie Dingleberry, I mean Dingle, she's forever on Fox, on the business side. Never confronted about this. So Credo goes on, the criticism follows Israeli airstrikes directed at terrorist groups operating in the Gaza Strip. Why are there terrorist groups operating in the Gaza Strip, ladies and gentlemen? Why should there be terrorist groups operating in the Gaza Strip? The Gaza Strip was given to the Palestinians. These groups include Hamas, bombarded the country with more than 1,000 missiles, and now it's 2,000, in more than two days. Israel says it will continue to conduct defensive operations. Israeli airstrikes killing civilians in Gaza is an act of terrorism, Omar said in a statement that ignored Hamas's repeated strikes. Palestinians deserve protection, unlike Israel, Missile defense programs such as the Iron Dome don't exist to protect Palestinian civilians. It's unconscionable to not condemn these attacks. Omar's comments led Ted Cruz, a staunch Israel ally, to accuse her of acting as Hamas's press secretary. American taxpayer money is being used to commit human rights violations, Talib said in a similar statement. Congress must condition the aid we send to Israel and end it altogether if those conditions are not followed. Ayach joined with her fellow squad members to blast Israel for inciting violence. Pokan rushed to defend Omar after she came under fire for several anti-Israel statements. Talib, Omar, Pokan, Baker. Isn't that fascinating? The Democrat Party, and yet, To be perfectly honest with you, as I am all the time with my beloved audience, a majority, and not a small majority, of people who were born Jewish in this country, not particularly have any Jewish faith, 
are members of that party. Support the policies of that party. Are silent in the face of what these reprobates are saying. Like Chuck Schumer. How many Jewish Democrats in the Senate, in the House, have spoken out against them? I know of none. None. And with all the talk, and with all the talk of protecting and defending minorities in this administration, why hasn't Joe Biden gone to the microphone and condemned what his party is doing and saying? In fact, why hasn't Joe Biden gone to the microphone and said what Donald Trump would say? We support our ally Israel against its fight with terrorist organizations. And a matter of fact, why is Joe Biden still negotiating with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, offering them tens of billions, not hundreds of billions of dollars, just to come back to the table and to lift sanctions? When those missiles have made in Iran written on them. Not technically, but factually. Tehran. Why are we negotiating with Tehran? Why are we lifting sanctions against Tehran? Why are we going to give hundreds of billions of dollars, directly and indirectly, to Tehran? Hezbollah in Lebanon, now they fired off a few missiles. Aiming at civilian populations. I would ask Talib and Omar and the rest. Why did Hamas and Islamic Jihad, which is a creation of Iran, why did they fire missiles at all? Why did they fire any missiles? And I would ask them. Why don't you give the Jewish families that own those homes in Jerusalem, all for them? Why don't you give them their homes back? Why did you steal them? Now, Talib, who's the biggest ass of the bunch, she likes to talk about apartheid. Where are all the Christians that used to live in Iraq? Where are all the Christians that used to live in Egypt? Where are all the Christians that used to live in Syria? Where are all the Christians that used to live in Lebanon? Where are all the Jews that used to live in these countries? And even more, where are they? There's a handful of them or none. Where are all the Christians that used to live in Libya? Where are all the Jews that used to live in Libya? Apartheid what a moronic, bizarre, extremist nut job. The Arabs in Israel are citizens of Israel. They have due process rights. They get to go to court. They have private property rights. They get to vote. No Jew gets to do any such thing in any of these countries, let alone the Palestinian areas. They would be murdered on sight, as a matter of fact. And what happened in Lod in some of these other Israeli towns as Hamas and Islamic Jihad were firing Iranian-made missiles into the population centers of Israel? Well, 
the Arab neighbors of many of these Jews, not all, but many, enough, started burning their synagogues. Started going door to door looking for mezuzahs, which Jews put on their outer door and other doors, in honor of God and the Torah. And Jews were taking down their, their, uh, were taking them down, mezuzahs, not mezuzahs, were taking them down, so as not to be targeted. Tell me, how many mosques were targeted by the Israeli government? How many mosques burned to the ground? Hmm. But facts don't matter. Facts don't matter when you're an anti-Semitic bigot, like Omar, like Talib. This is how they were raised. This is how they were indoctrinated. And they brought their, their sickening, poisonous ideology into this country. And I want to repeat this again. I know of no one who hates the United States of America but loves Israel, and I know of no one who hates Israel but loves the United States of America. I don't know any such person. Because this wing of anti-Semitic Marxist Democrats hate our own country. They hate our own country. Let me put it to you bluntly my fellow Levinites and patriots. And let me explain to the moron who calls herself Rashida. If the Israelis wanted to do maximum damage to the Gaza Strip and everything in Gaza and every person in Gaza, they would level Gaza. They have the military power to destroy everything and everyone in the Gaza Strip. They have the power to destroy the Palestinian Authority and all of their claimed territories and everything in it. They have an extraordinarily powerful military. So if Israel were like the Communist Chinese, or Israel were like the fascist Putin, if Israel were like the Communist North Koreans, if Israel were like any of those regimes... If Israel were like the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran or the Palestinian terrorist operations in the Gaza Strip or in Israel proper, Israel would cease to exist. Israel has a lot of power, but Israel has a lot of patience that most countries would not have. And so imagine if rockets were being fired into our major cities by Al-Qaeda or other terrorist organizations from right on the border of Mexico or right on the border of Canada. What would you want us to do? You'd want us to crush them and cream them. Joe Biden says Israel has a right to defend themselves. Israel doesn't need permission from Joe Biden to defend themselves. I'll be right back.
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I think the Democrat Party has made a calculation. They've made a calculation that through birth and immigration, and remember the Democrat Party is without morals in so many respects, that they believe that a lot of the ethnic and religious backgrounds of individuals coming into the United States, uh, that they should endorse individuals in the Democrat Party like Talib and like Omar who are trying to appeal to these newer immigrants and are radicalizing these newer immigrants. And the Democrat Party wants to benefit from those immigrants just as they want to benefit from open borders to begin with. It's a very devious, it is very dangerous, and it's a very evil game that the Democrat Party is playing. It is an amazing thing how the Republican Party quickly and severely denounces and punishes its own. But not the case with the Democrat Party. When Maxine Waters was stirring up a riot, depending on how the decision would go, in Minneapolis, when the Republicans wanted to take action against her for what she did, really inter- interfering with a, with a court case, Uh, The fact of the matter is the Democrat Party and Pelosi and Hoyer threatened the Republicans that they would bring up other cases against other members. When Omar had made her openly and repeatedly anti-Semitic comments and there was a move afoot to condemn her with a resolution, they watered it down, they never mentioned her, and they said, you know, all hate is bad and so forth. The Democrat Party has a very, very high tolerance level for this kind of Marxist radicalism and anti-Semitism. And there are just too many stupid people out there who either agree with them or don't care, who want free benefits, and on and on and on. I'll be right back.
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Let's... Take some calls. Let's hear what you have to say about events here and around the world. Let's go to Ezra. Jacksonville, Florida, the great WBOB. Ezra, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I believe that you're absolutely correct that Putin was testing the plagiarizer-in-chief, and uh, he failed. My first commander-in-chief, Reagan, or Trump, both would never have had such a thing happen as we experienced because Putin would already know the result. Mm-hmm. And the result would be a counterattack, um, <clears throat> a cyber counterattack that would have a major impact uh, perhaps on the uh, energy uh, received by the Russians. All right, thank you for your call. There he goes. Let's continue. Tariq. Baltimore, Maryland, on the Mark Levin app. Tariq, how are you, sir? Thank you so much for taking the call. Oh, I apologize, ma'am. I apologize. Go ahead. Well, Tariq had to leave, so I'm Mrs. Tariq. Oh. So here's what he wanted to say. Yeah, here's what I listen to you all the time anyway. So this is what he had to say. There's a lack of moral moral equivalence here. We take the position, if someone comes to come in my house, I got a right to defend myself. But they're coming into the house called Israel. The Israelis have a right to defend themselves. Where is our speakers who speak out and say, hey, wait a second, they attacked the little guy. We're for the underdog. This is the underdog. They're surrounded by enemies. Where are our friends and, and allies who speak out against... Uh, See, I, I think what's happened here, actually, putting aside the, uh, the bomb thrower Marxist anti-Semites in the Democrat Party, I think what's happened with perhaps too many Democrats is that um, they now view Israel as this powerful, powerful uh, country, which it is, uh, putting upon all these poor peasants and so forth, uh, the Palestinians. And if only as the Israelis would, uh, would, would treat them well, uh, you know, they would be able to produce things and make things and live free lives and so forth and so on. And yet it's this Israeli government that has all this power that never exercises it in a way to wipe out uh, any of these uh, individuals, I mean, their, their, their citizenry and so forth, even though they aim missiles at the Israeli citizenry. And so I don't know how many more peace plans there can be. I don't know how, many, how much more land Israel can give. You can see how precious it is. They shouldn't give any. Uh, I don't know how many more... Uh, uh, biblical locations, it can surrender to the Palestinians. Uh, but I think those days are over. No more. They got to be over. 
I remember right. when they left when they left when the Jews left Gaza. They had it was a beautiful area with all kinds of fruits and vegetables and odd houses. And look what they did. They turned it was, into a, it was a huge mistake. Uh, a huge mistake. Uh, and uh, I even think the Likud party was shocked. The conservatives in uh, in Israel were shocked uh, on how that took place. Uh, of course, America supported it every step of the way. Um, but uh, this demonstrates, though, the one thing it does do is it demonstrates that a two-state solution is a final solution for the Israeli people. They can't put up with that, regardless of what the Democrats in our country demand. Thank you for your call. Amy, Colorado Springs, XM Satellite. Amy, go right ahead, please. Go ahead, Amy. Hi, Mark. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say that I did pre-order your book, and I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Um, so I'm waiting for that to come. I think you're really going to like it. I am a giddy, a, a, a giddy, happy woman because I'm doing my little part. I went into Walmart today for the first time in over a year without a mask. And Wonderful. It was so freeing. Everybody could see my cool shade of lipstick and my pretty smile, and it just felt so good. And there were other people without masks, and I'm I'm tired of listening to the CDC. And I just I heard the news today, and I I threw away the news my today mask. was literally shocking because they had just said last week that if you send your kid to a camp, uh, they got to wear a mask and a hundred other things if they want to play outside with their friends and so forth. Absolutely ridiculous. So the CDC has really hurt itself. Fauci, of course, is a political actor. Uh, and uh, the science in this country, unfortunately, certainly by the people who lead these various uh, agencies and so forth, has been heavily politicized. And I, I want you to think about something, Amy. Donald Trump had to deal with this bureaucracy. He's the one that pushed through these vaccines. He's the one who wouldn't take no for an answer. He's the one who wouldn't take delays for an answer. All right. Thank you for your call. Let's continue. Terry. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Terry, go right ahead. Mark, how are you? Okay. I listened to your show last night. You hit on the the fuel price. You hit on Israel, the Middle East, Iran, and the border. I have two more things and one that's going to have to happen. Two more things is North Korea and China. North Korea will probably do something stupid first. And then you're going to have the third thing will be Biden bringing back the draft. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I don't think Biden will, actually. I think they'd like us to be in the climate change core and stuff like that. Uh, But you might be right. Who knows? Appreciate your call. And I want you to listen to Biden today. Uh, on this, uh, let's see, do we have that here? I'm not sure. Do we have him on the mask or not, or should I just describe that? I want you to listen to Biden today on Cut 14. Just how this guy, all this stuff, all these crises that he created are swirling around us. They're swirling around the world. And he gets up, he has the nerve to say this like he had something to do with it. Like he had something to do with it when he had nothing to do with it. Cut 14, go. No, I want to be clear about what the CDC is saying and what the CDC is not saying. The CDC is saying they have concluded that fully vaccinated people 
are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Let me repeat, if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. But if you've not been vaccinated... All right, that's enough. So, so why is he making this announcement when the CDC already did? He's making this announcement when the CDC already did. Let me, let me tell you why, how cynical this man is. He, is. he has used propaganda and the crooked Democrat Party media to advance the idea that he brought the vaccines to the American people, that he's ensured that people are getting the vaccine shots, and now that you don't have to wear a mask. It's just shocking. It's amazing to me. This is a guy who's anti-science. This is a guy who tried to undermine Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed every step of the way. This is a man who actually accused the president of killing people because of his response to the coronavirus. Joe Biden's had no response to this virus. He's picked up all the low-hanging fruit. There are three vaccines. He picks them off the tree and runs with them and takes credit for it. There's a massive distribution plan in place with, with uh, private companies, with uh, warehouse stores, with uh, stores like CVS and so forth. And, and he takes credit for that. The military is already involved in distribution when he shows up. I mean, he was handed the keys to the palace. He was handed the keys to the palace. And so the obvious outcome from having vaccines over a period of time, which is exactly why Donald Trump wanted vaccines and fought for vaccines, the obvious outcome is what? The one we have now, removing masks. And you could have removed your masks as soon as you got the vaccine shot. Or those of you who got two, two shots. You didn't need the CDC to tell you this, just as a... A regular person, a normal person, knowing what the science is. What's the purpose of getting a vaccine? That means you're at least 95% immune from the virus and immune from giving the virus since you aren't getting the virus. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. One thing I've noticed and one thing other people have noticed is 
literally since we've been talking about this book, American Marxism, already, already a movement seems to be developing. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Already a movement seems to be developing to push back against these, these various movements spawned by Marxism, these various American Marxist movements. I get behind this microphone and I discuss these movements, I discuss these issues at some length. And perhaps some of you are a little cynical, you say, well, there he is hawking his book. I am hawking our country. That's what I'm hawking. I'm spending time on this. I could be spending time on other stuff like so many other hosts. That's not what I do. My weekends, my nights, up early in the morning. I don't want you to uh, pat me on the back. I'm just trying to explain myself. And we've been talking about these things now for a long time. And we've been giving them a lot of attention. We've been giving some of the people involved in them a lot of attention. I see more and more people showing up on Fox, more and more people showing up on radio. This is a good thing because what we know here on the Mark Levin radio show is we're the point of the spear. That's what we are. You're hearing more and more people talk about Marxism now. There's a reason for that. You're hearing more and more people talk about critical race theory and the racism that's involved in this now. That's important. There have been scholars working on this. Christopher Rufo. We have Mike Gonzalez. We have a lot of people in different organizations who've been working hard at this that haven't gotten the attention that they deserve. But more and more they will, and they deserve it. Same with the degrowth climate change movement. Marco Moreno and others. You have people who are focused on these things. But my goal here is to bring all this together, to explain all of this. And I have this massive microphone because of you, my massive audience, on radio and on TV and on digital. And so when I start talking about these things, start talking about these things, there are producers, there are directors, assistant producers, deputy producers... I'm being heard. You're being heard. And so people are trying to sort of expose these various things now. And I'm seeing it more and more on TV and radio. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. And when the book American Marxism is finally released, I expect this movement in every direction, pushing back against American Marxism, to explode into activism into activism. Because it's not just critical race theory. It's the immigration issue. What is that based on? It's not just the immigration issue. It's the genderism issue. What is that all about? It's not just the genderism issue. It's the repression. It's the cancel caucus. It's big tech. It's big media. It's the degrowth movement, the attack on our capitalist system. And so this can overwhelm you And so it needs to be broken down and unraveled. And so I am excited. In fact, I am proud because of you. When we see things happening in my own home county of Loudoun County, there's a reason. Because it's pushback time. There's a reason this is being discussed more. Because I use this microphone to push a mission. The mission is liberty. And to push back against tyranny. 
And so it is heard far and wide. All throughout Washington, D.C. All throughout the broadcast companies. And that's thanks to you, or I wouldn't be here. And so there are many, many great heroes and patriots out there who've been fighting rather quietly. And you're going to learn an enormous amount of information from this book, American Marxism. I said it's the most important book I've ever written, and I mean it for the most important time of my life. And so this will provide all of you with the ideas, with the facts, with the substance, and potentially the activism that we need. Again, you're starting to see it sprout here and there. Starting to see it sprout here and there. When I first got into talk radio, the rule was don't become an activist. Don't be an activist. I said, I have to. That's what I believe in. And honestly, when I started this show 20 years ago, it was the only show that promoted activism. Not only was I involved in the Tea Party and helped launch the Tea Party, but I got involved in these various primary campaigns, you might recall. I was attacked by various pseudo-conservative outlets. I was attacked by, uh, by Republicans in Congress. You can still see how John Boehner can't stand me, McConnell can't stand me. Well, that's their problem. The Bushies hate my guts. This establishment versus outsider, conservative, we're the ones who started that right here behind this microphone 20 years ago. There have been books written. I don't even tell you about it which attempt to smear me and attack me for launching this movement or that movement, I ignore them. I don't care. This whole idea of constitutional conservatism, we had fiscal conservatives, traditional conservatives, social conservatives. So wait a minute. In the end, we're constitutional conservatives. That's what we are. Who believe in tradition, who believe in our institutions, who believe in our... But we're constitutional conservatives because without that, we can't do the rest of it. And I think that's why you come to this program. So it's very, very exciting to see, even before the release of American Marxism, the impact this program, radio, TV, Levin TV, is having, and the book, I think is going to have an enormous effect. You watch. Well, don't watch. Participate. Jump in. And tens of thousands of you already have. Tens of thousands of you. The pre-orders on American Marxism are shocking the publishing industry. Shocking them. I mentioned it to Sean Hannity the other day. He said, holy, really? I said, look at the numbers. That's you. You're doing that. And that's very important. And by the way, I'm going to have, after the bottom of the hour, Bill O'Reilly on the program. He has a fantastic new book out. You might say, why would you have Bill O'Reilly on? You never got along. I get along with Bill O'Reilly very well now. We actually got to know each other. And uh, he's under attack all the time, too. My view is patriotic voices anywhere and everywhere. I'm a forum. All right, ladies and gentlemen, just as I said, Bill O'Reilly will be up with yours truly. I hope you'll listen. We'll be right back. 
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Bill O'Reilly, how are you, sir? I'm uh, okay, Mr. Levin. Thank you for the good lead-in to uh, WABC Radio. Your program leads right into mine every night, and I appreciate the good numbers. Well, it's great to have you back. And speaking of good numbers, your book is a hit. Killing the Mob, the Fight Against Organized Crime in America. Give us a flavor for what this is about. Well, number one book on the New York Times uh, a week ago. That's from a big Sunday. deal. Congratulations. And I beat Oprah. Thank goodness. <laughs> I beat Oprah. So that'll, uh, that'll give those cancel culture people a little uh, angst. <laughs> um, Anyway, Killing the Mob is a look at the most powerful entity in the United States from 1946 to 1961. Organized crime controlled the movie industry, the rock industry, the nightclubs, the unions. They bribed politicians. They ran wild. And nobody knows it. And we take it from the 30s and the Depression, uh, John Dillinger, Bonnie and Clyde, all of that when the FBI was formed right up to the present day. And I'll tell your audience that no president has been more revered by organized crime than Joe Biden. Really? Why is that? Why? Yeah. Since Joe Biden has been president, about 500 thousand foreign nationals have come to the United States, 500,000 through the southern border. That has occupied every single Border Patrol agent and every ICE agent down there. So what is neglected when all of our federal officials have to house, feed, process, put people on buses? What's neglected? Drug interdiction. Organized crime controls the narcotic distribution throughout the United States. It's billions and billions of dollars. More drugs are coming into the country tonight as we speak on a Thursday night than ever before in the history of the United States. And, and, he, and, and Bill O'Reilly, uh, Joe Biden acts like nothing's happening down there. He doesn't know. You think? He, look. Here's, a, here's my assessment of Mr. Biden. So I, when I write Killing the Mob, every page is documented. Everything I say is 
proven. It's, it's like your broadcast. You back stuff up. You're not just throwing it off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. That's what we do in Killing the Mob, and that's why the book is, is out of the gate the way it is. Joe Biden is the opposite of that. He, his strongest statement is, well, we haven't seen any evidence of, of it. Well, you haven't looked. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't understand what inflation is. I think everybody would understand that. Does Joe understand that gas is up a bucket gallon since he got inaugurated? Does he understand that once gas goes up, everything goes up because trucks have to get the groceries to the grocery store? Does he understand macroeconomics? The answer is he does not. And now you're looking at Israel. You're looking at China. You're looking at these countries. They know. They know that Mr. Biden's not running the government that progressives behind the scenes are running it. They know all that. And organized crime, I'm not overstating this. I mean, they are just, they are deliriously happy that their business selling narcotics, which is about as evil as it gets, is not being impeded by the federal government right now. Mm-hmm. Now, your book, uh, why do you think your book is so compelling? Because people don't know this. Remember I Love Lucy? Mm-hmm. Remember that show? Oh, sure. Who is Lucy's husband? Desi. Desi Arnaz, right? Yeah. Sam Giancana took a contract out on his life. He came this close to having a bullet in the back of the head. Really? Desi Arnaz was a Hollywood producer, and he put on a show called The Untouchables. All right. In The Untouchables, Al Capone and all the other gangsters were Italian. Giancana, the godfather of Chicago, who rigged the 1960 election for JFK, mm-hmm. sent a note to Desi Arnaz, said, you better knock it off and put other ethnicities in the show. Arnaz wrote a wise guy note back to Sam Giancana, said, what do you want me to make them, Jews? That day, there was a contract put on Desi Arnaz's life. We have the guy who got the contract. We have the whole thing. And Desi... I'm not going to tell you anymore because I want people Mm -hmm. to read Killing the Mob, but he just survived. I mean, what would have Lucy, what would she have done? (laughs) But that's a true story. Now, the mob has always fascinated me because the mob is more than one mob, isn't it? There's a bunch of families, different ethnicities over the years, correct? Yes, they're different organized crime families, quote unquote, control different cities. So in each major American city, there are a group of people who divide up the city and they do business. Now, it used to be extortion and gambling and vice, but now it's almost all narcotics because the governments are legalizing all the vice and all the gambling. So, mm-hmm. And Oregon's legalized hard drugs, but they, they cooperate with each other to some extent But there's always violence. And here's a kicker for your audience. All the violent crime in Chicago and New York, L.A., all the murder rates that we hear every day, that's all drug gang related. The drug gangs sell the heroin and the methamphetamine and the cocaine uh, on the street. But they have to pay the mob for that right to deal on the street. The mob doesn't see the dope anymore like they did in the French Connection days. They're corporate now. They oversee the narcotics traffic. But the guys on the street, they're doing all the murders. But you're never going to hear the media report any of this. 
Now, as these uh, borders are open, you talked about drugs, the MS-13 gangs come in. Is the nature of the mob changing, or we just have more mobs, or the, the old mob getting stronger? Well, the Italians still control the East Coast cities, like Philadelphia and New York, Baltimore, to some extent Boston, but there's a big Irish component in Boston. So that structure is changed from Don Corleone in The Godfather. Okay, that, that's the image that everybody has. They're not that way anymore. They bought up so many legitimate businesses, restaurants and nightclubs and hotels and cruise ships, you name it. And they operate on a quasi-legal basis. They all live in the suburbs. They all have big mansions in the Hamptons or, you know, Georgetown, Washington. So it's not the way it used to be, but it's still as evil. It is really evil. Now, you mentioned MS-13. They're not in that category. Those are thugs. Those are punks. Those are shakedown artists. They're low-level dope dealers. The, the real powerful organized crime don't have anything to do with them. Um, and it's, so it's, it's, it's almost like a caste system in America. At the top are the remnants of the old Sicilian mafia. Mm-hmm. Is the mob stronger today? than it was uh, 30, 40 years ago? The no, mob. because J. Edgar Hoover would not investigate the mob, because according to Lucky Luciano's personal papers, and Martin Dugard, my co-author, and I got a hold of them, uh, the mob had something on J. Edgar Hoover. Now, we couldn't find out what it was, but we do know that Hoover liked the ponies, he was a gambler, and he was gay. And back then, if he had been exposed as gay, that would have ended his career. So Luciano said in his private papers, we have... Hoover in our pocket, all right? And they had a lot of other people in their pocket, too. And J. Edgar Hoover never, ever investigated the mob. That allowed organized crime to amass this tremendous amount of power. But when Bobby Kennedy became attorney general in 1961, he went after the mob with a ferocity never before seen. And he got Hoffa. Hoffa went to prison. And then the mob assassinated Hoffa when he got out of prison. So... In return, Congress passed the RICO laws. And you being an attorney, you know Mm -hmm. how effective the RICO laws are against organized crime because you can can wiretap, you can surveil much easier, get a warrant much easier. That's what happened to Gotti, the last in-your-face godfather. They wired up the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club 20 miles from my house in Queens, and they got him talking about all these murders and all his dope deals, and he got sentenced to the federal pen in Illinois where he died of cancer inside. He was the last real flamboyant mobster. The rest of them now are businessmen. I need to take a little break. Can you hang on for our final segment? Sure, this is fun. Thank you for having me. It's great talking. Well, this is fascinating. Very fascinating. Um, We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, 
disasters like Medicare for All and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Number one best-selling book in the country, Killing the Mob, The Fight Against Organized Crime in America. You can get it on Amazon.com, any major bookstore. This book is fascinating. It's Killing the Mob, The Fight Against Organized Crime in America with Bill O'Reilly. You can get it at Amazon.com, any major bookstore for that matter. Was there anything, as you were developing this book and researching this book, that jumped out at you that you hadn't known before? Most of it. I had a blast writing this book. But the biggest thing was the general patent component. Really? I wrote a book. I wrote a book called Killing Patent, and it sold millions of copies. And listen to this story. You're going to love this, Mark. So after Rommel was defeated in North Africa by the Americans and the British, Eisenhower and FDR planned to invade Europe through Italy. Patton was the spearhead. He was in North Africa. But they had to go to Sicily first, because that was the closest place to North Africa. But they had no idea how to do the invasion. Well, the Mafia controlled Sicily for centuries, centuries. And the Mafia was disrespectful to Mussolini. He couldn't even break them. They made a deal with Lucky Luciano, the first godfather, FDR made the deal with Luciano, not in person, but by using surrogates. And the deal was, you help us invade Sicily. You get Patton's Third Army on that island, and we'll allow some Sicilians to come to the United States after the war. I had no blanket idea that thing happened. Mm -hmm. No one does. But that's exactly what went down. The Mafia practiced sabotage on the Germans, gave Patton all the maps on where to land. He did. And then after the war, a slew of mafioso showed up in New York, solidified the power with the unions, and that's where the five families evolved from. What about the mob in relation to John Kennedy? Is that something you were able to take a look at? Big story. Yeah, we get into it big time. So, I know we're up against the clock. I'll give you the abbreviated version. Joseph Kennedy, JFK's father, was friends with Sam Giancana and a bunch of other mobsters. He wasn't a mobster himself, but he got favorable treatment on the Merchandise Mart in Chicago and other places where the mob had a presence. In 1960, it was a very close election, and the Kennedys needed to win Illinois. Giancana delivered Cook County to JFK, and Illinois and West Virginia were enough to defeat Richard Nixon. Nixon knew it. 
he knew that there was fraud in Illinois, but didn't push it. And the rumor is they had something on Nixon. The mob mm-hmm. did. Anyway, the mob was thrilled. JFK's there. They thought they had him in his pocket. What they didn't count on was JFK appointing his brother attorney general. Mm-hmm. When Bobby got in there, he defied his father and to some extent his brother, and he went after the mob, as I said, with a ferocity never before seen on the federal level. Isn't that an interesting story? It's fascinating. And uh, people don't know about that election, and you're exactly right. They don't know right. anything about the no. mob. Because every, we, we all think it's the Godfather, the Sopranos, Bonnie and Clyde. The, these mobsters were so evil, are so evil. The evil that they do is staggering. But they get away with it, for the most part, until. There's always an until. They all went down. None of them got away. They either went to prison or they got a bullet between the eyes. And very quickly, Rudy Giuliani had a hell of a role, didn't he, in fighting the mob? He took the RICO law, okay? Giuliani, as a Southern District U.S. attorney, took that RICO law and just destroyed many of the New York City mob. And he did an excellent job. And then when he was catapulted into the mayorship, he cleaned up New York City. If you go to New York City today, you won't believe the deterioration under that idiot Bill de Blasio. Unbelievable. Let me tell you something. This is a a terrific book. It's Killing the Mob, The Fight Against Organized Crime in America. I strongly suggest, folks, you get a copy at Amazon.com or any major bookstore. And listening to you, Bill, when we took the little break, my producer, my call screener, and I said, nobody tells a story like Bill O'Reilly. (laughs) <laughs> you have the ability to tell time, a story. I, I really, I, you know, um, you're very kind to put me on. And I, and I want all your listeners to know that, that you, you're very busy. You've got a lot of stuff going on, but you're very kind to put me on and, and to say nice things about the book. And when your book comes out in July, I will return that favor. Well, you're a very good man. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Mark. See all you. right. God bless. And it's a damn good book. Killing the Mob, The Fight Against Organized Crime in America. You know, your book isn't number one just because of your name. It just isn't. And Bill writes these great books. And this book is fascinating. I got through part of it, obviously not all of it. And he leaves no stone unturned. And you can hear how he tells a story. It's fascinating the way he tells a story. So go grab a copy. And while you're there, maybe pre-order a copy of American Marxism. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And you know who else? I salute you. The greatest audience of audiences. God bless you and be well. Take care.